Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Jesus says that the Father is looking for true worshipers. But what is to worship? This morning, the choir has sung a beautiful call to worship, connecting our hearts with God as they always do. Pastor Adrian has welcomed us to worship. Pastor Doc has reminded us that giving our offerings and tithes is also an expression of worship. Worship in the Bible is to bow down before someone that is greater. Worship is to be fully present in the presence of God with a humble heart. Worship is a posture of the heart. And whom to worship and how to worship is important in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, there's a worship conflict. And whom to worship is important. In Revelation, the main topic of the book is worship. And there are two groups worshiping. One is worshiping the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And the other group is worshiping a beast who replaces Jesus. So who to worship? It is important. How do we know what true worship is? What are the criteria to know that we are worshiping in truth? What does it mean to be true worshipers? About a year ago, I received a a call from this church leader that uh, was planning a conference in music and worship, and, and he wanted to invite me to participate. And he said, but before we get into details, I need you to respond to one question with only one word, yes or no. And, by the way, the invitation to this seminar on music and worship depends on your answer. Okay, I said, what's the question? And he said, drums? Yes or no? And then I said, well, will you have some time to talk? Because we need to discuss the role of musical instruments in the Bible, in the light of the scripture, And then he said, well, I'm so sorry, but if you cannot respond yes or no to this question, I'm I'm afraid I'm not interested in your seminar. And then he said one more word, bye. (laughs) And that was it. And that was sad. But it was not a surprise to me. Because when Christians attempt to respond to the question, what is true worship? we ended up engaging in the worship wars conversation. And the worship wars conversation is about instruments and music and styles. 
right? And sometimes the whole topic of worship gets reduced to that. But then we go to the Bible and we see what Jesus says about true worship and it's never about music. It is never about music. It is about who God is, what a character of God is, and especially what a character of God is as it is revealed in Jesus Christ. That is the center of worship. And it is problematic when our theology of worship seems to be mostly about what we prefer, the music that we want to hear, instead of who God is and what is he looking for, what is he demanding from us. So there's a quote that I love by Robert Farrar Capon. He says, Jesus is a living parable. If you want to understand Jesus, keep your eyes and your ears open to what he does and what he says. Keep your eyes and ears open to what he says through what he does. And Jesus talks about worship, but Jesus does a lot of things about worship to teach us what true worship is. And I want to say thank you to Scotty Ray and his wonderful team of actors for this dramatized scripture. Because we are going to talk in the next, um, for the next 10 minutes or so about the second time Jesus cleanses the temple. And this is Matthew 21, 12 to 16. So when Jesus cleanses the temple, Matthew is painting this picture with two very contrasting groups. One group is the children and the lame and the blind that were healed by Jesus, and they are just celebrating Jesus, and they are praising Jesus. Why? Are they putting a show on the temple? Not, not really. They are responding to what Jesus has done. What is Jesus doing? He's healing. He is being God for them. And they respond. How do they respond? Jumping for joy and shouting for joy, for joy. And these children are saying that Jesus is the son of David. And that's interesting because today is Monday. And yesterday was Sunday when they came to um, be with Jesus and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, the son of David. So saying that Jesus is the son of David is saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Is declaring that Jesus is God, is the chosen one. So we have this group. And then the other group is the worship leaders at the Temple of Jerusalem. They are not only not praising Jesus, but they are furious with Jesus. Because Jesus has driven them out from the temple and called them thieves. And it's not the first time, right? This is the second time. Now remember, if we want to understand what Jesus says, we have to keep our eyes and ears open to what he is doing. And Jesus starts his ministry on earth and finishes his ministry on earth cleansing the temple of Jerusalem. The temple of Jerusalem, which is the centerpiece of worship in Jerusalem. And in Israel, of course. 
Now remember when the woman at the temple, sorry, the woman at the well, asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the right temple to worship? Jesus, is Jerusalem, yes or no? The Gizim, yes or no? What is the right temple? And Jesus says, Jerusalem, that is the right temple. However, it doesn't matter because you don't need a temple. You don't need a building. I can see your thirst, your void, your emptiness. You need a God. You need the truth. You need someone who you can trust. And that's me. I am the Messiah. I am whom you need. And I am here for you. Jesus displaces the conversation and the center of worship from this temple to the sacred territory of this woman's spirit. Because it is there, it is in our spirit that God initiates worship. When we worship, we are responding to what Jesus is doing through the Holy Spirit in us. So these leaders at the temple are indignant. Matthew 21, 26 of 16 says, but the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? In other words, Jesus, the chair of choir is out of control. They are jumping and they are shouting. Tell them something. This is so irreverent. But they are also saying, Jesus, they are saying that you are the son of David. Tell them something. And I guess they are wishing Jesus to say, or they are hoping Jesus to say, yes, I am the son of David. So they can have evidence to get him killed because they are plotting against Jesus. But Jesus responds with another question. Yes, Jesus replied. This is Matthew 21, 17. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. And it's interesting because Jesus is quoting David in Psalm 8 here. Psalm 8, 2. And Jesus asked these worship leaders, Pharisees and religious leaders, have you, haven't you ever read the scriptures? Jesus knows. <laughs> they know scripture. They have scripture verses attached to their rows. They are the scripture scholars of the temple and of Israel. They know scripture. In Jesus' time, all the men that went to the synagogue by the age of 12 or 13 knew all the Psalms by memory. So these leaders of the temple, they know the Psalms by memory. And when Jesus says, yes, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. And Jesus stops there. They know how the Psalm goes. And the line of the Psalm doesn't finish there. So if you don't mind, let me try something with you. All right? And I will, I will ask the slides to, put, to be put there on the screen. Psalm 23, if I say, 
The Lord is my shepherd. You know how it goes, right? So, the Lord is my shepherd. Correct. I shall not want. Let me try with um, Psalm 91. One. Whoever dwells in the secret place of the most high. Do you remember how it goes? Beautiful. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You also know the Psalms by memory. Okay, Psalm 27. This is the last one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So this is what Jesus is doing with the worship leaders. He's quoting Psalm 8. Psalm 8 will start by saying, O Lord our God, the majesty and glory of your name fills the earth and overflows the heavens. And then it goes, You have taught the little children to praise you perfectly. And he continues saying, may their example shame and silence your enemies. May their example shame and silence your enemies. Who are the enemies of worship in this scenario? It looks like the worship leaders want people to think that the children are the enemies of worship. Because they are being irreverent. And the people that Jesus has healed, they are also jumping for joy. And that is wrong. However, the enemies of worship, the ones that are on the wrong side of the worship war conversation, are the leaders of the temple. Because they don't see Jesus. They miss the miracle. They miss what Jesus is doing. It looks like they are watching another movie. Jesus is healing and bringing forgiveness and joy and grace to these people. They only see that they have lost control over worship. The order of the bulletin is different, Jesus. What are you doing? And you know, for me, it is so easy to judge them. These leaders of the temple didn't see Jesus, honestly. And I think Kimo and Brenda and the choir and all of us that prepare and practice to come and offer the, the best we can so we can worship God in spirit and in truth. And you can find Jesus in what we do. It is very easy for us to sometimes get caught in, in, in what we are doing. And for Jesus to be central in every song, in everything that we do, is challenging. It requires a lot of intentionality and prayer. It's not that easy to worship. Having Jesus at the center of everything we do. And you know why? Because Jesus is very uncomfortable. When he comes and cleanses our temple, he exposes our self-righteousness, our ambition, our greed, our pride, my control issues, my selfishness. It gets very uncomfortable. But that is true worship. True worship happens when the Spirit of God connects with our spirit and take us to the truth as it is in Jesus. That is true worship. 
And that means that the spirit will take the control. Mark Laberton, he wrote a book that changed my vision of worship. The book is entitled, The Dangerous Act of Worship. And I would like to quote him. He says, Christian worship, corporate and individual, can and should be one of the most profound and relevant responses to power abuse in the world. In worship, we cast our lives upon the faithful and just power of God. When we do so, we oppose all acts of unjust power. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about God's remarkable initiative and grace, marshaled to realign power. I love this. Worship realigns power. The power of sin, evil, suffering, injustice, and death. In its unexpected power inverting way, the sacrificial love of God in Christ crucified recast all forms of power. That's the work and the meaning of the cross. Our worship helps us remember this power realignment so we can live differently because of it. When we worship God, we declare that God is the Lord of history, the Lord of our life. And it's interesting because the day Jesus cleanses the temple by the second time is a Monday. And he knows that he will lay down his life on Friday. But these leaders of the temple, they want to get Jesus killed as soon as possible. And then Jesus manages the words and the silence because he's in control. They think they are in control, but Jesus is. He will decide when to lay down his life for you and for me. And it's not on Monday. He is the Lord of timing. He is the best orchestrator. So when we try to control our lives, when we try to control worship, Jesus is telling us, you know what? Worship is declaring who I am, God Almighty, the Lord of the universe that came in the form of a servant, a humble servant, and died for us. That is our realignment of power. These children at the temple, they are jumping for joy, not because they are putting on a show, we said, but because they understood that Jesus is the son of David, and they are celebrating Jesus. And they see that people are being healed by Jesus, so they respond to that. And my question for you today is, when is it the last time that you jump for joy in the presence of Jesus because of what he is doing in your life? About four years ago, our beautiful daughter, Laya, went through three major surgeries. And it was the most stressful time for our family. We were at Andrews University, and we found these great doctors in Chicago that saved her life. And we were so thankful for that. So she was recovering at home. And coming from Spain, this was the first time that we uh, dealt with health insurance. We were, we were unfamiliar with the process, and it was so stressful because we kept receiving these medical bills, and thousands and thousands of dollars were piling up 
I was very stressed out. So we went to the hospital in Chicago and set up payment plan. And uh, I remember my husband Francisco and I, we were just filling out the paperwork and uh, I guess a lady listened to us and we were speaking in Spanish, so she came and told us, are you a Latino family? And then I, I looked at my husband because this is a funny conversation that we will have at home. I don't know, maybe in your family it is easy to respond to the question, what's your race? Not in my family. Um, I am from Uruguay, he is from Spain, and then we have a lot of different ancestors. And in Spain, it's not very common to be asked for your race. So first time we, we got that question, we were like, what are we? And my husband is in the field of linguistics, so he likes to be very precise with words. And he said, human. <laughs> That's my race, human race. But that was not always well received. So we tried to figure it out. So when this lady is asking us, are you a Latino family? I just look at my husband, and then he says, we are a Spaniard Latino family. Okay, she says, will you please fill out this form as well? So he did. Three weeks later, I remember I was coming from my office, and then I picked up the mail, and here it was, another envelope from the hospital. And I thought, oh, more that. And I remember that long, cold, gray day in Michigan. And, and I remember telling God, God, help me to relax. I know we'll be okay. We just made a payment plan, we'll be okay. I opened the envelope and there were four big words that caught my attention. You are that free. You are that free. I remember when my husband came, gave him the letter, he read it. With tears of joy, he told me, I feel more Latino than ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found out who we are as a family. So this association in Chicago studied our case and fully paid our debt. It was a large debt. It would have taken us maybe 10 years to fully pay it. But we qualified and they fully paid our debt. I remember the, the next day I would wake up and first thing I thought it was, thank you God, we're debt free. We are debt free. I think that is the closest to what God's grace feels like. You know, when you are overwhelmed by fear and anxiety and you don't see the future clear and Jesus comes and tells you, hey, I have good news. You are that free. You qualify for my salvation because you're mine. You're my son, you're my family. You're my daughter. I love you first. So, you are that free. 
And then when you experience that deep joy that you didn't need to work for your salvation, you didn't need to perform, perform well for your salvation because you are already forgiving and you are death free and you just have to accept that gift of salvation and live with deep joy and with deep sense of freedom. That is who Jesus is. He is fiesta. He is good news. So what do you do to respond to who Jesus is? Well, we worship. True worship is our response to what Jesus is and what Jesus does. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us everything we need in Jesus. Lord, some of us today, we're lacking joy. And we need to be reminded that you are good news. And Jesus is about the joy of someone that writes the last page in history. In, in our story as well. So teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.